Welcome to episode 95 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Psychomer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on your podcast player of choice or by going to psychomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by genuine partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm having a conversation with a friend and colleague, Abby Malko. Abby is a Senior Business Development Manager of Small Business Partnerships for Small Business Empowerment at Amazon, where she helps drive the success of small businesses and underserved business populations. She also serves on the Global Board of Directors at Amazon for Mental Health and Well-Being as a Director of Corporate Strategy. She's a retired Navy non-commissioned officer and a combat veteran. Find out more about Abby by checking out her bio on our show notes. So let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Abby, you've been a longtime advocate and supporter for both mental health and wellness and service members, veterans, and their families, even during your military service and before your current role at Amazon. I'd like to give you an opportunity to tell us a bit about yourself and why this is such a passion for you. Got it. Yeah. So really, honestly, how it all started was when I returned back from Iraq in 2006. It was my first experience with suicide. I lost our squad leader to suicide. We actually found his, his body in the warehouse. And just two months later, I lost my best friend, JB, to suicide. And what was frustrating with the, my experience with JB was I could now see the signs, the warning signs for suicide. And I could clearly tell that he was suicidal. But when I raised it as a huge concern and called a command and no one really believed me. And I did everything I could to stop JB from killing himself. I called 911. I called the suicide hotline, but there wasn't really much anyone could do because he had gone missing. So I think those two tragedies being so close to each other was really hard for me to process. And I dealt with a lot of insomnia and nightmares, especially, which honestly started when I came back from Iraq, but it accelerated even more after those two suicide losses. So I think there, I didn't really know what to do. And I sought help like with a chaplain, but it really took me years to be able to finally get to a point where I could accept the fact that I wasn't able to stop JB. I wasn't able to stop Chris's suicide. And I was also struggling with my own post-traumatic stress, but I didn't know it until my third car accident when they forced me to go to see a mental health care provider. So I think the purpose behind my work has really been to help my own healing and to know that I'm carrying their legacy on in some way and that they didn't die in vain and that there are a lot of veterans in crisis that similar to me may not know they even have post-traumatic stress. They may not even know that they want to seek help for their post-traumatic stress. So being able to share my own story, being able to be an advocate, it helps to me help mitigate the problem. That all started with the Clay Hunt Save Act when I was one of the veterans who advocated for that bill. And then from there, continued with the Bush Institute as a scholar there. And then also with my work at Intel and then my work at Amazon. You know, I think about 
back at that time, 2006, 2007, that was really the beginning of when we started seeing people come back. And we didn't know. Like when I was in Iraq in 2006, 2007, I don't, I thinking back, I don't know where the mental health professional was on my base. And even a little bit before that, where I had actually intervened in someone's suicidal crisis and I had the same things, the insomnia and I couldn't eat and it was really bothering me what had happened. The chaplain was the person I went to too. And that's what happened back then. And mental health wasn't a big integrated part of the military the way it is today. You're absolutely right. We never even got screened when we came back from deployment for our mental health. And a post-traumatic stress disorder wasn't even a term that anyone used. And the first resource I went to was, again, the chaplain. And that's not always the best resource, too, either, because the chaplain may be of a different faith. And maybe you need someone who has more mental health experience to be able to help you train your brain to think a little bit differently. So you're absolutely right. And I think that's where we've come and, and, and as a society, probably perhaps, yes, coming outside the pandemic, people are obviously talking about mental health because it is so prevalent. But I think as a military culture, we've been much more open. You talk about where you were working with the Clay Hunt Act. Here we are 10 or 15 years later after you came back from Iraq, where now in the veteran space, it is a conversation that we're having more and more. Yeah. You're absolutely right. We've made so much progress, I think. And obviously, there's still more progress that needs to be made. But you're 100% right. And now we have dedicated resources. People are aware of what post-traumatic stress is. They know where to get help. It's But the challenge, at least from my own experience, is how to even get people to get that help to begin with. And we're all very stubborn, I think, in the military sometimes. We may see it as a sign of weakness to, to actually go get help. But I think it's okay to do that. And success is possible, even in spite of some of the struggles we have. The And to swerve away from that, and we'll definitely come back to it. But the work that you're doing, not like you're successful at Amazon. You're leading a team for one of the largest corporations in the world. A lot of people think about Amazon from the devices and the convenience of being able to buy anything and have it delivered to you almost. But many may not be aware that Amazon is a huge platform for small businesses and entrepreneurs, which is what your team focuses on at Amazon. Yes. Yeah. My Amazon journey has been so so unique. I've been at the company almost four years now, and I've been working with small businesses and entrepreneurs my entire time at the company. And it's really weird because I've been in three different teams working with small businesses and entrepreneurs. My first team at Amazon on the Global Military Affairs team, I worked specifically with military-owned businesses, military entrepreneurs. We worked to create the military family small business storefront on Amazon. Really saw a lot of value in being able to champion military entrepreneurs, and that continues to evolve at Amazon. And then from there, I worked to help launch our supplier diversity program. And then from there, I ended up with the team that I always wanted to be on at Amazon, the small business empowerment team. And the small business empowerment team is a pretty unique team. We're not working to get small businesses to sell in our store. We're really trying to build those relationships in the community, trying to reduce those barriers, trying to help clear up any confusion and empower them. If they do decide to sell in our store, then you know we have the tools and the resources and the programs to help get them there. But really designed to champion small businesses because, again, over 50% of the things you buy in Amazon Amazon store come from small businesses and not many people know that. And, you know, it is a huge driver, a growth driver for small businesses by giving them access to economies of scale, a distribution method, a fulfillment method. And we don't want to say that, oh, Amazon's bad, but we're actually here to help you. And I love the work that I do on the team. I work with a lot of third-party organizations 
to basically provide educational opportunities for small businesses and entrepreneurs, whether it's learning how to sell in our store, whether it's learning how to build a business with Amazon. And then I'm going to continue to be an advocate for featuring veteran small businesses within our store as well. Yeah, really that idea where you started from supporting service members and veterans, again, that matching of your passion. A lot of veterans get out and I don't know if it's because we're tired and we don't want to have to listen to somebody anymore, but that a lot of veterans want to get out and explore their creativity and entrepreneurship. And then broadly, of course, supporting all entrepreneurs. But why do you think so many veterans really engaged in sort of entrepreneurship and small business ownership after they get out of the military? I think there's so many reasons for that. I think they they tenacity we build in the military or we learn in the military, the resilience we learn really helps enable people to succeed once they get out of the military to establish their own business. There's also a pretty robust network out there that helps give them access to capital, which is obviously the number one need for most small businesses and entrepreneurs, as well as a supportive network and community. So I think veterans, what I really find compelling about veteran-owned small businesses is their unique stories. What drove them to even create their business to begin with. And sometimes they're very compelling stories and they've identified a unique need or maybe there was something that impacted them personally that drove them to create a business. I worked with Junior's Bullet Pens. I think that's their name off the top of my head. And he, his son was a Green Beret sniper in Afghanistan. And he always wanted to create a company where he used 50 cal rounds to make pens out of 50 cal rounds. But since he passed away, his dad carried on that legacy for him. And so now he makes these pens out of 50 cal rounds in his basement or his garage. And he does it just solely out of the memory of his son. And he donates a portion of his profit to the Green Beret Foundation. So stories like that, I find super, super compelling. And I find that very strongly within the military community. And I want to be like, continue to be the champion. Again, veterans have a higher success rate at starting their own business and maintaining their own business. But they also have that unique experience, that unique background that I think other people could really benefit fit from. And they're really great pens. I've got one. I, I, I actually, I do. And and uh, it was it was given to me as a gift and it was really neat. But also the idea of, it would be really great that, that he was creating these things and he's in his basement or in his garage, but actually having access to Amazon is able to spread that message and obviously spread the services or the, the things that he's making. But actually partnering with something like Amazon is to really take his story and not just make it a story, but making it a viable business that can access millions. Yeah. Yeah. And not every small business wants to do that. But for the ones who do want to sell in our store, obviously, our team is there to help them succeed. And then we want to continue to promote that as well within the Amazon.com experience, holiday promotions or May for Military Appreciation Month. What can we do to champion those veterans selling in our store? Store. And I think there's some exciting things coming in the works for next year. Stay tuned. We can't really just say what it is quite yet, but we do have some exciting things planned. And I'm excited to continue to be the champion for them on my team. I think that's one of the things that I've always seen with Amazon. Again, outside, everybody's like, oh, Amazon, again, you think about the devices, you think about the convenience, but really it's a global network that can support spreading a message. It's not just about making money, but it's having access to a global network of people who know about Amazon and things like that. And a lot of people really, that's a mind shift for them is Amazon's not just a place to buy things from. It's actually an organization that I can partner with that it can be mutually beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're a brand owner, it gives you so much 
opportunity as well because you can share your brand story. You can create a brand store. You can, can create a, a customized experience that really showcases who you are as a company, who you are as a brand. And I think people really resonate with that. And then we also launched the Small Business Badge this last Prime Day. And we had a sweepstakes where if you purchased from a small business, you got entered into the sweepstakes. And we had prizes like tickets to the Super Bowl and things like that. But it, we really did that as a growth driver for the small businesses selling in our store it increases a lot of traffic to their product. It helps with their revenue growth. And we just made small business products more easily identifiable by just indicating on that product page that it comes from a small business. So I think we're continuing to iterate and innovate on behalf of small businesses. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And we all know it's not a mystery that selling an Amazon store can be quite complicated, quite nuanced. But that's exactly what my team does is we go and we help share information on how you can be successful selling in our store. What are the tips and tricks to help you succeed? And I've become a subject matter expert since I've been at Amazon on selling in our store as well. And the information continues to evolve and we're there to help give people that information. No, that that's great. And we'll make sure at the end of this, how folks can get engaged with the small business empowerment team. But as we were talking about before, you are a passionate advocate for mental health and Amazon is known for its efforts to hire Really, and they are a very significant military and veteran and military spouse hiring organization, but you've taken a role in the wellness programs at Amazon that supports their global workforce internally, as well as supporting mental health and wellness generally, but military and veterans. Yeah, I'd actually started accidentally, like most good things in life, they can be serendipitous sometimes. And yeah, I connected with Dave Gowell through another alum in the George Bush program. And that's how my work with suicide prevention at Amazon really started was having that conversation with Dave Gowell from Rally Point. And then we worked with AWS to develop a machine learning model on Rally Point to identify users at a high risk of self-harm and then connect them to specialized care and resources. I think I have always been an advocate for leveraging technology technology solutions to be able to reduce veteran suicide. That work really started with the Bush Institute and when I was at Intel Corporation. And then being able to do that at Amazon has obviously come, has been full circle for me. And then from there, we did some work with the Stop Soldier Suicide. And then we became a partner with the Prevents Mission when that was around. I really enjoyed working with Barbara Van Dahlen. And then from there, I started working with mental health and well-being. So Amazon has 13 affinity groups. I would say mental health and well-being is is more of an employee resource group than an affinity group. We saw the need at Amazon to basically provide a whole affinity group to folks who may be suffering from some mental health or maybe folks who want to improve their overall well-being. And our argument is everyone has mental health, is something that applies to anyone. And we saw a huge need during the pandemic for this affinity group to form. It was a sub group of an existing affinity group, people with disabilities, but we didn't want to necessarily keep it within that group. So it spiraled into its own affinity group. We launched it last year. The growth was incredible. I think we saw over 600% growth in four months. It's one of the largest affinity groups at Amazon. And uh, I currently serve on the board of directors leading our corporate strategy. But yes, I continue to be an advocate at Amazon. And I think there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And as Amazon has 
recently added a new leadership principle, strive to be Earth's best employer. And I think the company has really taken a good look and said, hey, we absolutely need to be there for our employees. Without our employees, we can't exist. We can't succeed. So it's been refreshing to, to see that since I've been at the company. And again, I think this idea of what people think of Amazon, again, I've got my device, I've got my TV, <laughs> I've got my, I can order stuff. They also think of them as an employer. And I think as, as you and I have talked is, is in my community, Amazon is a significant employer. But then that being an employee at Amazon and having all of that support internally isn't something a lot of people think of. And like you said, Amazon has really taken a leading role in addressing the mental health and wellness of its employees. Yeah, I think they absolutely saw the need for it. And I think the challenge we have at Amazon is we're almost like multiple companies because it is such a big company. There's your field employees and your fulfillment center, your distribution center, and then you have your corporate employees. And then we hate to say it, but AWS, they kind of act as their own company as well. So I think the challenge we have is how can we act? access those field employees. It's the field employees that we saw the biggest need and the demand for this. I think the challenge that we're currently having is making sure that we provide those resources to those field employees. Because let's face it, they can't sit in front of a computer all day, check their email, and hop onto a webinar that discusses PTSD, for example. We have to completely communicate with them in a different way and provide them resources in a different way to meet them where they're at, right? So we've been leveraging field employee leaders within the respective centers to to basically form their own mental health and well-being chapters within the fulfillment centers. And our executive sponsor comes from the field employee, John Felton. He's all about ops. So it helps to have his perspective as well, because he always has a keen eye on what are we doing for field employees. And that's something that we've grown the board within the past two months to address. So it is a challenge. But again, I think that where you're at now at Amazon 2022, thinking back to the only source you had for mental health and wellness back in mm -hmm. 2006, 2007 was the chaplain. And chaplains were great. Three chaplains got me through my first tour in <laughs> Afghanistan, right? And it's good, but it's not the sole resource. And so now where you're at 15 years later in your organization, there's a lot of different touch points for people to talk about mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And what we do at Amazon too is we just bring in Amazonians, like if an Amazonian and we do Amazonian-led sessions. Like, for example, I could lead a session on PTSD and anyone who's suffering from PTS could be join that session and we could just share ideas with each other, share our experiences with each other. And having those safe spaces is so important. And one of the key benefits we've given uh, Amazonians too is the ability to discuss things anonymously without fear of retribution or reprisal. And I think being able to do that is super important because someday you are going to have a bad day and you may be in crisis and you're just like, why am I even here? You've, I've hit a wall. I'm struggling with burnout. I can't do this anymore. And being able to share that anonymously and find that support is super important. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I'm a huge fan of you and the work that you've done. It's just so amazing <laughs> of seeing how your vision and your passion have really come to the place where it's really being utilized. So if people wanted to find out more, interested about maybe the inner workings of Amazon, maybe the mental health and wellness, but definitely about the small business empowerment work you're doing, how can they do that? I would, I guess it depends on what you would want to know more about. I always encourage folks interested in lear like learning more about small business empowerment to check out our annual small business impact report. And then we have an email 
that we can share small business partnerships. It's just sbpartnerships at amazon.com. If people are interested in potentially partnering or learning more about the events we we are working on, we have a lot of exciting things coming at the end of the year and even more planned for 2023. This year has really been about laying the groundwork. We do a lot of events with our partners, both locally, nationally, virtually, in person. That's where you're going to find me and my team. We are going to be on the ground at events most of the time working with various organizations. But yeah, SB Partnerships at Amazon.com. I also encourage people to check out the small business storefronts on Amazon.com. Our holiday guide is coming soon, which hint, hint, may be exciting from a small business perspective. But yeah, I would start there. And then if people are interested in learning more about selling in our store, we have great resources such as the Amazon Small Business Academy and Seller University. Absolutely. We'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Abby. Thank you, Joanne, for having me. I appreciate it. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. Find out more at psycharmor.org. I'm glad I was able to share my friend Abby's story with you. I've known Abby for about three or four years and have always been inspired by her passion and dedication to addressing suicide in the military and veteran population. To me, she's an example of how someone who is not a licensed mental health professional can make a difference in the effort to reduce suicide deaths. Those of us who are mental health professionals can't do it alone, and those who aren't can't do it alone either. It will truly take all of us. I appreciated how our conversation started with Abby's personal experience with suicide loss, took us to the work she's doing in Amazon to support and engage small businesses, and then back to how her passion for mental health and wellness found a place in Amazon. It's great to show how we can do good work that we're passionate about no matter where we find ourselves. To briefly touch on the personal experience of suicide loss, I once had a professor out of the University of South Alabama describe it to me in this way. Suicide is both common and rare. It's rare because it happens so infrequently in our personal lives. Many of us will go years, if not decades, between experiencing a personal loss due to suicide. But it's also incredibly common. All of us have been impacted by the loss of someone we cared about to suicide. Abby's experience of losing her squad leader and then her friend to suicide have driven her to want to make a difference in the lives of those who served. And it's the pain of that loss and the honor of their memories that is behind that drive. And I've said it before. Many of us who have served have a number, and that's the number of people that we've served with who died by suicide. For many of us, that number is greater than those we know who have died in combat or accidents, and unfortunately, that number is only likely to grow. If you have experienced suicide loss, my condolences go out to you, and I'm sure Abby's do as well. I can only hope that within that loss, you can find some way to make a difference in the lives of those who are still with us, as Abby has. The other point that I'd like to make is that Abby is an example to me of someone who can and has thrived in spite of obstacles they've experienced. I was listening to a panel once, and Abby might remember this because we were in the room together at the same time, but one of the panelists was a young Marine who said, success doesn't mean happy every day. And we all know that. Life can be hard, even if you're not a veteran or not living through the impacts of a global pandemic or doing difficult work with little immediate observable impact. Life has obstacles in it everywhere for everyone. And we can thrive in spite of those obstacles or fall short because of them. Abby's work to address suicide in the military and veteran population is ongoing. 
seven years after her advocacy on behalf of the Clay Hunt Act and 15 years after her personal losses. And it will likely continue even longer for the rest of her life. And in spite of the obstacles that she has experienced, she is thriving. She was thriving when I met her, when she worked with the Intel Corporation. She'll be thriving wherever she goes. Not in spite of the obstacles she's experienced in her life, but likely because of them. And I think that's something that could be said for a lot of those who have served. So hopefully you appreciated my conversation with Abby. If you did, drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at We always appreciate hearing from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's Psychomer Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the Psychomer course, Supporting Veteran-Owned Businesses, Supplier Diversity. In this course, you learn strategies and best practices to implement veteran supplier diversity in your business or organization. Find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at the podcast app, as well as on psychomer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with Psychummer on social media and let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. Much appreciation to the team at Psychummer that makes this show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator, and Emma Atherall, who provides valuable coordination and support. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.